Okay, our anchor text, I'm going to go fast and furious. My anchor text is lifted from actually um, James chapter number five. James chapter number five. James chapter number five. And uh, it begins in verse 16. Can you give me my phone, baby? My notes are on my phone today. James chapter five and verse 16. Our anchor text for the series, you guys know we're talking about prayer. Uh, we value prayer. And the first thing we said about prayer is that as Christ followers, we should establish the priority of prayer. We should make it our first response, not our last resort. Uh, and then the second thing we said last week is that prayer should be persistent. Prayer is persistent. It ought to be persistent. There's another dynamic of prayer, and that is petition. Petition. Uh, to petition God simply means to ask or make a request. And so I really wanted to take some time today just to talk about the prayer of petition. The prayer of petition. Because I think it is in the heart of God. It is in the heart of God. It is in the nature of God to give his children good things. Notice what the scripture says. Jesus said, it is the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Notice what James said. He said, you have not because you ask not. So today, even though I talked about all these other things in Luke chapter 11, today I'm just going to talk to you about asking God. And there is no request too big for the God we serve. This morning, I want to talk to you about bold, audacious prayers. I'll talk about big, big prayers. I'm talking about some of the prayers that you have been to, afraid to ask, petitions that you've been afraid to submit to God. I'm talking about situations and circumstances that have taunted you and have remained unchanged maybe even for decades. I'm talking about those kinds of petitions. The prayers I'm talking about are akin to the prayer that Joshua prayed and the sun stood still. How many of you need a sun stand still miracle somewhere in your life? Thank you for your honesty. I don't know about you, but I got two hands up and if I'll put both hands up if I could say it with... How high is my shirt above my waist, baby? I don't want people to see my little pudge. <laughs> I'm trying to suck it in, but I wanted to go all the way, but. <laughs> I don't want you to see mine. I got a cute little belly button, though. My wife said you do. What was I talking about? A sun standstill miracle. I don't know if you're there, y'all, but for the few of us, myself included, who need a sun-stand-still miracle, you're in the right place. Notice Jesus, yeah, yeah, notice Jesus taught his disciples to pray. First of all, our Father, he acknowledged relationship, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. The names of God reveal the character of God. Next thing he says is, align yourself 
with what God wants. Not what I want, but what you want. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done through me. When we align ourselves with the purpose of God, there really are no limitations to what we have and who we can become for the glory of God. Notice that when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, aligning themselves with the purpose and the plan of God, the will of God, came before the petition. Jesus taught them, before you step up to the mic and ask for stuff, you may want to consider whether you are aligned with what I want or not. Because notice what James chapter 5 says, you ask and you have not because you ask amiss. To spend it on your own pleasures, you ask for the wrong reasons. So he says, maybe, maybe, maybe it's not that you haven't prayed. Uh, maybe we haven't met that first prerequisite to be fully aligned with God's plan and his purpose for our lives. Because when we are, I want you to hear now, when we are, we have the authority to pray the next thing, which is give us this day our daily bread. Jesus taught his disciples to ask. He taught his disciples to petition. And if he taught them to petition for this day, that means God is okay with you asking not just for this day, but for the next day, and for the next day, and for the next day as well. God is not troubled or frustrated with your asking and my asking, because it is his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Notice Psalm 84 and verse 11. Psalm 84 and verse 11 is not going to be on the screen. But notice the character of God and the nature of God. The scripture says this concerning the God we serve. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. No good thing. So today, before this service is over, we're going to ask, we're going to pray some bold, audacious prayers for you and for me. Because it's the will of the Father. He's okay with our petitions, and he is okay with our requests when we line up with his purpose and his plan for our lives. Is everybody still with me? All right. So here we go. James chapter 5 and verse 16. Uh, my phone is, it keeps timing out, and so I have to put in my password over and over again. That's fine. I'll, you'll take the, pass, the password off? Thank you, baby. Notice what 16b says, 16b, the second half of verse 16. It says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man. Somebody say, that's me. that's me. The fervent, effective prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Let me tell you about the word righteous. If you are born again, you are righteous in the sight of God. That word righteous simply means to have right standing with God. And that right standing we have with God is not based on what we've done. It is based on what Jesus did. And notice what happens when righteous people pray. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. In the Amplified Bible, this is what it says. 
It says the earnest, continued prayers of a righteous man makes dynamic power available tremendous in its working. And then he goes on to give us an example. Notice, notice what it says. You see what it says in the Amplify? Where's that second half? Oh, the earnest, go back. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. That's what happens when you and I pray. Now, let me tell you about the problem. If we fully understood how powerful our prayers were, we would do it more often. Uh, Let me put it another way. If we truly understood what we forfeit when we don't pray, we would do it more often. If we truly understood the power that we have with God in prayer, if we truly understood the wisdom and the insight and the power and the provision that we have with God in prayer, we would do it more consistently. And let me tell you why. Uh, Verse 17 helps us understand it a little bit. Because not only does he talk about the prayers of a righteous man, but he gives us an example of what that looks like in real terms. Notice verse 17. It says, Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. Yet when Elijah prayed and asked God to withhold the rain, the rain didn't come for three years. I don't want you to focus on what his prayers produced. What I want us to focus on this morning is the fact that Elijah was a man just like you. Elijah was a man just like me. Most of us think that the miracles happened in the Bible because Elijah had a title or a label prophet. Notice what the scripture says. Elijah was a man just like you, just like me. But when Elijah prayed, God withheld the rain. I want you to hear that. Because I believe that faith's greatest obstacle, faith's greatest obstacle is condemnation. The reason some of us don't pray bold, audacious, sun stand still prayers is because often we don't think we're worthy. We read the scriptures and we say to ourselves, well, that's Joshua and that's Elijah and that's Jesus, (laughs) but I know me. I know what I did last summer. And we hide from the presence of God. We're afraid to enter into the presence of God. We're afraid to draw near to God because of condemnation. Yet the Bible says Elijah was a man just like you and me, though. He had the same issues, had the same proclivities, had the same struggles, yet he prayed and God answered and held back the rain. What prayer does God want to answer for you right now in spite of you? Because let me tell you, the scripture says we should not be ignorant of the devil's devices. 
We shouldn't be ignorant of the devil's strategies. And one of the strategies that the enemy uses is condemnation. In fact, his name, Satan or Satan, in the Hebrew means accuser. And all the enemy does, day and night, day and night, day and night, is accuse you, not just before heaven, but even in your own head. God ain't going to do that for you. That attitude you got. God ain't going to do that for you. You beefing with your sister-in-law. No, your mother-in-law. He is the accuser of the brethren. And whenever you experience judgment and condemnation, it's not from God. But the enemy will use condemnation to keep you from accessing the presence of God because he knows if you get into the presence of God, like Elijah got into the presence of God, you can pray prayers that will withhold the rain and make the sun stand still. And so he uses condemnation. He uses condemnation to keep us from drawing near to God. Notice what 1 John chapter 3 and verse 21 says. He says, beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. Y'all see that? If our hearts do not condemn us, we can have confidence toward God. You know why we struggle with our confidence toward God? It's because of that one thing, condemnation. Yet the scripture says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Every single time you feel condemned, remind yourself of Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 that declares there is therefore now no condemnation. The New Living Translation of, of, of 1 John 3.21 says, Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to keep you in a place of condemnation so you cannot draw near to God with confidence. Jesus dealt with the issue of condemnation on the cross 2,000 years ago. Notice, when Elijah prayed, as human as he was, God answered from heaven, and he withheld the rain for three years. So here's where I close. Some of y'all can't believe, Pastor Ray done already? <laughs> this is my first close, first, first close. Oh, y'all already knew that. Right, right. Let me help you with the condemnation issue. Because we're about to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to pray some bold prayers this morning. Because it is our Heavenly Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me tell you something uh, again. I'm going to say this again. When I was on sabbatical, the word I, the Lord spoke to my heart was, Ray, in this season, I will do more with less. How is that going to happen? It's going to happen supernaturally. 
by the power of God. And when we as a church posture ourselves to pray, my wife and I, just supernaturally by the power of God, God will do it. I think as Christians, I think as Christians, we've said to ourselves, the only thing that I can have is what I can control. The only thing I can have and experience is what I can do in my own power. The scripture says that we overcame the enemy or we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So just recently, my friend called me. And like me, he started a church with a dream in his heart and zero resources. He's faithful to God, though. Uh, so, so just the other day, he's at, at lunch with his wife. And a guy from Eritrea overhears the conversation, hears his accent, comes to the table and says, hey, man, where are you from? He says, um, man, I'm from Liberia. He says, may I have a seat? He pulls up a chair, sits down. And they start to have this conversation. Let me fast forward the story. My friend had tried uh, to find some space for their church to meet. They had about 50 people. And everything was outside of their budget. Or they, they wanted them to meet at certain times that just didn't work out with them. In this one meeting, in this one meeting with somebody he had never met before, nobody introduced him, he wasn't even pursuing, this guy comes over to his table simply because he hears him, brings him to his church, and he says, we have this initiative where we are trying to reach out to immigrant pastors. He says, not only are we going to provide this, this auditorium for you to meet on Sunday mornings, we're also going to provide your family a parsonage. For those who don't know what a parsonage is, that is a house for them to live for free. Not only that, they said we're going to keep you here two years, and when after two years, we're going to give you $250,000 if you want to find your own location. Now, most of us would have said, most of us would have said, most of us would have said in our minds, we don't have the resources to do it. And that's what they said. But they started to pray bold, audacious prayers and said, God, you will do it in your time and you will do it your way. First Sunday in September, they'll be meeting in their own space, uninhibited. They're going to be moving into their new home. Where as long, come on somebody, if somebody showed up to you and said, as long as you want, your mortgage is paid. And my buddy makes a six-figure income in a, secular, in a secular job. Can you imagine for the next however long that you're living in a house, not paying one penny, not just for the mortgage, but utilities paid? Can't God do it? I wish I had time to tell you more stories. And let me tell you about that. Now, God does those things in close proximity. He does those miracles in close proximity to you now. Now, I want you to catch this now. Not so you can hate. But so you can celebrate. Because God gave Elizabeth the miracle six months before he gave the miracle to Mary. Sometimes God will do an impossible thing in somebody's life who is in close proximity to you. 
not for them for you to hate and to get down on yourself and say, God, when will you do it for me? But he did it for Elizabeth so that when the angel showed up to Mary, she would believe and trust God for her miracle. Because if he could do the impossible in her cousin's life, maybe he's getting ready to do the impossible in your life. We got to be careful with this haterade and jealousy and competition because maybe God put that miracle right there so you could see it so you could believe for your own. I wish I had more time to tell you about my mentor, Bishop Johnson. Oh, baby, we got to start walking again. Am I out of breath? Can you all hear that? I'm like... <laughs> It's all right, baby. It's all right. I stopped for a second. I was like, Am I breathing? <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Brother, I got to get back in the gym, man. Come on, Lord. What was I talking about again? Bishop Johnson, 1131. I'll probably run the video for you guys sometime. But two years ago, I interviewed him. And uh, if you're from the East Coast, you know how expensive real estate is, man. And uh, so they're downtown Silver Spring. I'm saying all of this to you to prime the pump so that as a church, we can believe together for where God's taking us next. It's going to be a notable miracle. It's going to be a notable miracle that will blow every single mind. I know it. I know it as well as I know my name, is going to be incredible. It's going to be amazing. It's not going to be because of what we can do alone. It's going to be because we cry out to God and pray bold, audacious prayers. So my, my mentor, um, yes, ma'am, thank you. My mentor, uh, and I'll show the video, man. These guys, they're in downtown Silver Spring, landlocked. But all of a sudden, there's this urban renewal thing going on. They uh, purchased an old movie theater that, theater that they converted into a church. They had uh, purchased 20 acres of land in Maryland, the Maryland, D.C. area. But you guys know, Maryland, D.C., a lot of lobbyists. So they bought this land, and they're about to build on the land. Lobbyists come in and say, no! Nope! And this huge legal battle ensues because they want to keep that as green space. So yes, this church, they put all this money into 20 acres of land they can't build on. In fact, they went to court and they lost. Come on, somebody. Sitting on land and you can't build and your church can't grow. So they cried out to God. I'm giving you the cliff notes because this miracle is on a whole nother <laughs> level. So they go back to court and they win the case. Not only do they win the case, the, the appeal, but the city gives them $3 million not to build on the land just yet. So they still own the land but the city gave him $3 million. Meanwhile, the city gives him $3 million, and this bank comes to them, and we say we want to, say we want to buy this building, and we're going to pay for this building now, and you're going to stay here for two more years because we don't need to move in. 
So they're paying their mortgage for two years while they're still in the building. The government, the city, gave them $3 million. And then the realtor calls them. And they say, hey, man, there's this, there's this charter school uh, that's about to go out of business, sitting on 60 acres. No, no, not sitting on 60 acres. Sitting on 30 acres. Uh, they've got this chapel, and it's $60 million, I think. No, something like that. I got the numbers mixed up somewhere. 60 acres, 30, 30 million. 60 acres, $30 million. Uh, y'all want it? They said, man, that's outside our budget. I said, no, uh, for a limited time only. <laughs> you can get it all for $9 million. And the money that they got from the settlement with the city and the money the bank paid them for the property was the, the money that they needed to buy the building. So when I say I'm in Maryland, I go to a church that's sitting on is it 60 acres? 60 acres, beautiful, wooded. There's a charter school. Uh, in fact, there was a charter school that was about to go out of bit. My bishop said, no, you guys stay in here because you're educating these children and you're teaching them about Christ. So God answered the prayer, not just for my pastor, but also for the charter school. So they're still in their meeting and the church is there. They got a, a 30 or $36 million facility for $9 million. The city gave them money. This bank gave them money. But before they even had to move, they had been in that, that old movie theater in downtown uh, Silver Spring for two years, not paying a penny. He's no respecter of persons. Not only did he do it for my friend just across this, down the street. Not only did he do it for my bishop. But he also did it for my friend Tim Ross, who pastors a great church in Irving. And I wish I could tell you that story, but I'm out of time. God can do it for you. God wants to do it for you. And maybe you don't need a church building like we need a church building. But your petition is just as important to God. So my third and final point is go big or go home. The time for praying little petty prayers is over. As a church, we're going to begin to pray bold, audacious prayers. And we're going to take the necessary, necessary steps in the natural. Because God is moving us and prompting us to start a relocation initiative that will move us away, away from these temporary facilities into something very special in our city. God didn't send uh, uh, Art Stone here by accident. Art, can I talk about you for a second? <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you very much. You see that beautiful church over there on Park Road, Park and Midway? Some of us call it Preston World. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six flags over Jesus, somebody said. <laughs> I like that. Six flags over Jesus. I like that. I like that. Uh, Art, Art's the mastermind behind that. Architect, managed that whole campaign. Can I ask you how much that ran? Do you know? Is that okay? Uh, 
Come on, somebody. $36 million in one day. Uh, let's just say it was a big building campaign. Very big. But Art's been coming to our church for two years. Do you think that God sends people of that pedigree and that caliber for them just to be in the pews? Art and I have had conversations, and Art's going to be helping us to get to that next level. Right. In fact, my wife just reminded me, when Art first came to City Church, a few weeks later we met with him. Uh, if you love Art, just get him a gift card to Brio. He will love you the rest of your life. For Art and Sherry, gift card to Brio. And uh, Art said, Ray, I think, I think I've got one more building left inside of me. This was two years ago when we first, when we first met Art. Uh, Fear-based decisions are always bad decisions. There are some decisions that I've made that I've made that have been fear-based that have been bad decisions. But God is calling us as a church to step out in faith and wisdom because he has a notable miracle prepared for us. So we're asking big, we're going to be asking, we're going to be asking big so that God can allow us to serve this community on a whole nother level. We'll be talking about those things in, 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 in the weeks to come. And I close with this. You and I are no different than Elijah. If Elijah could call down fire from heaven, and if, God, if Elijah could call down rain from heaven, and he was a man with a nature just like ours, the God we serve wants to meet you right where you are. Let me pray for you. Uh, where are the musicians? Uh, keyboards? We don't have the keyboard player. Wish we did. He had to leave. The musicians will come, and I want, I want to pray for you, and I want to pray with you. Just as Jesus taught his disciples, give us this day our daily bread. God wants to meet you right where you are. Amen. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to I pray for you. In fact, you guys don't even have to play. Just be ready to do the, the outro, okay? You guys don't even have to play. I want you to consider something you're trusting God to do in your life personally. Just with your eyes, your head bowed and your eyes closed. You know exactly what that thing is. In the natural, 